The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. We invite you to visit Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church for worship services every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Macedonia is located at 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, five miles north of Ackerman, Mississippi. For more information about Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, you may visit our website at macedonia-pbc.org. I'd like to return to John chapter 1 this evening, John chapter 1, and we'd like to look at verses 35. We'll uh, probably go through verse 46 and save the rest of the verses in the chapter for a later message. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 35. Again, the next day after John stood and two of his disciples looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? And they said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted master, where dwellest thou? And he said, or he saith unto them, Come and see. And they came and saw where he dwelt, and abode with them that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of them, which heard John speak and followed him, was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And he first findeth his own brother Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, son of Jonah, thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was of Bethesda, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Philip saith unto him, Come and see. So <clears throat> we've talked in previous messages about John the Baptist having the privilege of baptizing Jesus Christ and pointing out Jesus as the Lamb of God. And it addresses here in verse 35 that the next day after that happened, that first time that he identified Jesus as behold the Lamb of God, two of John the Baptist's disciples saw Jesus looking upon Jesus as he walked and saith, Behold the Lamb of God. And those two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Now, one of these disciples is clearly identified as Andrew, and the second one is not directly named, but I think that we can imply or assume, and it's just that, so if I'm wrong, take it for just that, but uh, that that second one, there's a good possibility that that second one was Philip because he was of the same region of the same city, Bethesda, the, the city of, of Andrew and Peter. And then that those two disciples that were originally with him, that Jesus told them to come and see. And then when Philip uh, tells Nathaniel that they found the Christ and Nathaniel kind of questions him, Philip uses that same phrase, come and see. I don't think he just came came up with that out of nowhere. I think there's a pretty good chance that Philip was that second disciple. So uh, we'll just kind of assume that for the time being 
And if that's not the case, then study that out and, and leave it where Scripture articulates it. But <clears throat> two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What seek ye? And they said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted master, where dwellest thou? You know, these are some Jews that had been eagerly anticipating the coming of the Messiah, right? Just like all the Jews had been. And they were under the same um, preconceptions, uh, turned out to be misconceptions about what the Messiah was going to look like. Uh, you know, they were expecting the Messiah to ride into Jerusalem on a white horse, having just conquered the Romans. Now, he eventually did come into uh, Jerusalem, but, you know, he, he came from Nazareth, a very unimpressive, uh, actually maligned city. And uh, he eventually came into Jerusalem, but he came upon the colt and the foal of an ass. You know, it, it wasn't, wasn't what the Jews were expecting. So then, you know, uh, Jesus is, you know, there was no buildup. There, there was no, you know, buzz before this. Instead, what appeared to be a common man, you know, he had no form of comeliness that we should desire him. He appeared to be a common Jewish man. And he shows up with the rest of the crowd on what appeared to be a regular day when John the Baptist was baptizing. And then John points him out and says, behold, the Lamb of God. So they're a little confused, for lack of a better term. You know, uh, there wasn't any, any real build up to this. He just shows up. And he points him out and he baptizes him. And, and we hear a, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. But where are you from? Like, what, what cities do you live in? Where are you going? Where do you dwell? Where do you dwell? And that's what they asked him. They come and they find Jesus and said, uh, Jesus, it's kind of funny. They, they find him following him. You know, he's, he's walking by himself at this point. And he turns around and said, what seek you? you know, why are you following me? Essentially, why are you following me? And they said, where are you from? Where are you from? Rabbi, where dwellest thou? You know, uh, are you, are you uh, in some nice uh, house and palace in Jerusalem and we just don't know about it? Uh, where, where are you from? Where do you live? And he told them, come and see, which is kind of interesting, right? Because we're going to talk about come and see this evening and and uh, our desire to invite others to come and see the kingdom and invite them into the kingdom, invite them to church. But it's interesting that Jesus is the one who initiates that, right? Yeah. Uh, Philip didn't come up with that. Jesus initiates come and see because there was something they were intrigued about. And it didn't really line up with what they thought originally in their head. And he said, look, just come and see for yourself. <laughs> come and see for yourself. And he takes them up to Nazareth. They came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the 10th hour. And they don't really elaborate on what they discussed or anything, but I feel like that this was a very blessed time for Jesus. I think he was probably telling them the, the beginning milk of the word, so to say, of uh, these disciples that he was right. going to tell them. And uh, I, I can, again, it doesn't use this kind of language, but I can almost envision this being a very similar situation to those uh, on the road to Emmaus, 
when Jesus came and he communed with them there and their heart burned within them. I, I can imagine that being a very similar type of uh, setting as Jesus is teaching these who will end up being his disciples the first time. He's, he's, he's teaching them the, the basic building blocks of, of what we're going to be doing here. And whatever they talked about there that evening when they went to Jesus' house, Simon was stoked. He was fired up. And he immediately, Simon immediately goes and he finds his brother. In Macedonia, we've been trying to talk about evangelism and what that looks like and, and looking at three different aspects of evangelism. The first of them is simply living a goodly, godly life that is a witness and a testimony to other people that our life and our conversation should become the gospel of Christ. And that's a, a foundational building block for the other two aspects because if you are not authentic in the way that you live your life, what you tell people won't carry any weight. It won't have any value. And it's kind of sobering sometimes. You know, we want to invite people to come to church and, and uh, invite them to understand more. And um, it's kind of a sobering thought sometimes to say, well, if I tell somebody to come and see, based on their interactions with me, what are they going to assume they're going to see, right? <laughs> uh, I hope that they, they believe they're going to see something that they desire that's attractive. But when I invite people to come and see, what do they think they're going to see based on their interactions with me? But then that second aspect of evangelism that we've been trying to focus on is just simply sharing a witness and a testimony with those that we are closest to, our friends and our family. And we're already natural evangelists. We already naturally tell people that are close to us things that we perceive to be good news that we're excited about. We already tell them, tell them anyway. And then the third aspect is initiating conversations with people that we don't know. Right. And um, John chapter 4 is a great example of that. The, the Samaritan woman. Uh, she came and uh, she actually uses the same language um, of come and see. Um, she speaks with Jesus and Jesus was not, you know, she goes and says, come see a man that told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? You know, he was not saying I'm aware of uh, all of your great accomplishments in the past. You know, I, I'm aware of all of the awards you, you won when you were young. I'm aware of all these great things you did. No, they had a very uncomfortable conversation, yeah. right? I mean, he's calling her on the carpet and saying, look, you're, you're made tons of mistakes in the past and you're living in sin right now. And I guarantee you, it's not elaborated on in scripture, but I think he told her a whole lot more than just her living situation. Right. Uh, so her response to that, her response to Jesus, again, not telling her all things that ever he did, that she ever did that were all the good things. No, they probably talked about all of the bad, all the really uncomfortable things. But she was so moved by that experience that she went and told everyone there in that city, come see a man that told me all things that ever I did. Is not that the, this the Christ? And she was willing, because of her excitement, of what she understood, she was willing to break protocol. Okay, so first of all, it was against protocol 
That's why the disciples are really baffled when they come back and they see Jesus interacting with, number one, a woman by herself. But number two, a woman like this. I mean, you know, I think it's prudent. I've heard, you know, you need to uh, be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. I heard men, heard of men, uh, Billy Graham, I've heard uh, this told of him that didn't matter who it was, he refused to be on an elevator with a woman by, by himself. You know, and that, that's a good thing to be aware of, especially nowadays um, with the environment that we're in. But this was a time period where men and women being by themselves was not acceptable. Okay? So Jesus is by himself, by himself, talking to not just a woman, but a very scandalous woman. Okay? So they were very surprised when they showed up and Jesus was talking to her. So you know that she was very ostracized in her community. Okay, let's, let's just ignore the fact that women uh, during that time, hey, nobody's done more for the church than, than uh, more for women than the church right. <laughs> and elevating women. Uh, but during that time, uh, women didn't just go up and talk unpromptedly to strange men. Uh, that's just, that just wasn't protocol in first century Jew. And, they, and especially this woman <laughs> was not the person that was going to go talk to, to men she didn't know unprompted. That was just those actions were borderline scandalous. <laughs> but you know what? It didn't matter to her. It didn't matter because she was so moved because she, you know, she was a Samaritan and they had a misunderstanding. You know, they had that conversation about worship and, and, you know, uh, we're, we believe in worship over here in Mount Gerizim and, and then you have a different form of this. And, and then they talk about true worship, worship in spirit and in truth. But she knew that a Messiah was coming. She made reference to that. So she, she knew that a Messiah was coming too. And then she finally got that this is the Messiah. This is the Son of God. This is who we've been looking for. And when she got, when she finally understood that this was the Messiah, it didn't matter what social norms she was breaking, right? Because she was so moved that now she had saw her Savior, the Messiah, the Son of God for the first time. Yeah, I, I, I'm not concerned about breaking cultural protocol. Right. Right. <laughs> because I found the Messiah, the Son of God. And, and what she said there was, come see a man. Come and see, come and see. And you know what? They came, they came, and many men were converted. So now, many of them were converted when they saw Jesus, but many of them were converted solely based on the testimony of this scandalous woman. Mm-hmm. And, and that tells you what, what a powerful impact your personal witness and testimony can have, even to those that you don't know. And actually, because she'd been living down in the pig pen in a manner that she shouldn't have been down in the pig pen, but she was, okay? She was living in an ungodly way. But because of her testimony, people believed that witness that this is truly the Messiah. They they believed solely based on her testimony, okay? So those three aspects living a good godly life, that our life in and of itself is a witness and a testimony to others, 
But then our natural expression of sharing the good news is going to be with those that we're closest with, right? Our friends and our family. And then there's certainly a place for sharing that with those that we don't know as well. Here, Andrew goes immediately to his brother, Simon, that no doubt was looking for the Messiah as well. We talked about this a little at Macedonia recently, but you you can just envision both, uh, both Andrew and Peter, and I believe it's probably the same kind of relationship with Philip and Nathaniel as well, that you know in years past, they were these clearly are children of God. They, they have a desire. It's not like they were um, born again in their first interactions with, uh, with Jesus. They're already following John the Baptist. They, they, they are already born again. They're already serving God, and, and they have a zeal and looking for that Messiah. And you know that there had been conversations. You know, you come home from church, <laughs> In our day, and and you you talk about what you heard that day, and you know you come home from from a synagogue on the Sabbath day, and you know maybe they read those verses that talked about the Messiah, and you talk about about the Messiah, and you are uh, discussing in your home an excited anticipation of the coming of the Messiah. You know that Simon and Andrew had had those kind of conversations, and they were they were looking and they were excited. And so when Andrew finally finds the one we've been looking for, who does he immediately go tell? He goes and tells the one who he knows is also looking for the same thing he's looking for. And I, we, I finally found what we're both looking for. Yeah. So as soon as, as he leaves Jesus' home, as, as he's communing with Jesus, and no doubt Jesus preaching and teaching to him that evening, the first thing he does is goes and tells the the person that's on the top of his list who he knows wants to uh, know this, you know, this. Uh, I'm, I'm happy about this news, but there's somebody else that I want to be the first person to right. tell. And we all have that first person already anyway. And that's why natural uh, evangelism is, is so natural and so easy, uh, especially in that immediate group. So uh, Andrew immediately goes and tells Peter. But I want you to notice, I want to, I want to uh, highlight what he does right here. Because um, it feels like it's implied. It doesn't directly say it. Uh, you know, we find out a lot about Peter uh, throughout the course of the rest of his ministry and uh, quite a few more interactions in the Gospels. But he goes and he tells Simon that he has found the Messiah Verse 41, he findeth his brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now, does that imply that Peter was maybe a little bit skeptical? I think think we could assume maybe he was. Because Andrew brought him to Jesus. Um, it doesn't necessarily say that, that Simon dropped everything he was doing and started running to Nazareth. Uh, instead, I think this could imply maybe a little bit of, uh, you know, not maybe skepticism. 
Maybe skepticism. And actually, Nathaniel had a little bit of that too, right? Okay, that, that's, that's great. That sounds, that sounds awesome. He found the Messiah. Where's he from? Nazareth? Oh, wait a minute. Wait a, that's a little bit of a scandalous town too, by the way. <laughs> wait a minute. That doesn't make sense. Why, why would God send his Messiah from Nazareth? And then he said, look, I know it may not make sense to you, but just come and see. <laughs> that's what Philip ended up saying. Just come and see. And uh, I feel like that, that, that uh, Andrew doesn't use that phrase, come and see, in verse 41. But I think that's implied there. He said, look, we found the Messiah, come and see. And it doesn't seem like that, that Peter just started running immediately to go find him. And the, instead, he's like, okay, I told you to come and see. Now let me show you. Okay. He says he brought him to Jesus. He brought him to Jesus. Um, it's been quite a few years ago now. I, I've heard a minister bring a message on this, and I, I, I can't. I, it seems like it may have been for the Marty Hoskins. I can't really remember, and don't remember when I heard it or or where to uh, try to trace down some audio recordings. But when I heard it, it was a phenomenal message um, that really stirred my mind about come and see, come and see is not just, not just an invitation for people to attend public worship. Right. Now we need to do that, right? Um, especially those that you're close with, <clears throat> it should be very easy to invite them to public worship. But as we well know, church is much more dynamic than just public worship, right? Right? So when we tell people to come and see, come and see, um, you know, we, we have some people that are a little skeptical of, you know, primitive Baptist, and there's some misconceptions out there. And, and uh, when you have those conversations with people and they don't uh, fully understand everything, you know, you can't always teach everything in one setting. So it's always good to to leave that conversation with, you know what, just come and see, come, come in uh Come and worship with us on Sunday, and, and I believe that, that you will find a blessing that we hope that you're looking for. Come and see. And we need to do that in our conversations and, and uh, invite people to come to public worship. But the point that was made in that message that really struck very, very closely and really hard with me is that come and see is more than just a, a blanket invitation to come and worship with us on Sunday. Instead, it's more along the lines of what Andrew did here of bringing him to Jesus. Mm. Uh, bringing people into the body of the church. You know, uh, when we say come and see, yes, we want you to come for public worship. But one of the best ways that you can begin to build relationships with people that show them what the body of Christ and what the church and what the kingdom is supposed to look like is by you investing a lot more in them than just a casual little verbal statement of, hey, will you, will you come to church or will you come to public worship on Sunday? Instead, invite them into your home. Yeah. Invite them into your life. Invite them into, into the, the circle of the body of Christ so they can see what the church looks like 
in action, right? Now, now we hope that uh, they can attend public worship and be extremely blessed by, uh, feel the presence of the Holy Spirit in public worship, and they have a desire to attend public worship again. But really what we want them to, to feel and to see and to understand is to feel the body of Christ, to, to feel the church. And when you invite them to come into your home, they should be able to see interactions in your home that exhibit what Christ and what the church and, the, and what the kingdom is supposed to look like, right? You know, our marriages are supposed to reflect the relationship between Christ and his church. And, you know, people that are outside the church, they, they may only be used to how the world interacts in marriages, right? Uh, this, uh, I even hear Christians talk like this of their wife as the old ball and chain. A Christian should never say that. Amen. Because God ordained marriage. You know, God looked at Adam in his unfallen state. <laughs> okay? God looked at Adam in his unfallen state and said, man, that guy's a mess. He ain't going to make it by himself. He needs some help. <laughs> He needs to help me. And that was before the fall. <laughs> that was before the fall. But marriage is supposed to be a picture of Christ and his church. Amen. And if anyone has the right to complain about the old ball and chain, it's Christ. <laughs> I'll tell you, we are a drag on Christ. But you know what? He didn't talk about his bride that way. He says it is a beautiful bride without spot and without blemish. That's how Christ talks about the church, even though we're a mess. <laughs> the church is a mess, but Christ loves us anyway. <clears throat> and you, you bring people into your home and you interact with them, and they should see something about the different interactions that you have with your wife and with your kids, with your kids as well. You know, the kids aren't being bratty and talking back all the time and and all they do is all they want to do is play on their phones and and you know we uh go our separate ways go to our separate rooms or if you sit in the same room all we do is stare at our phones well no we we interact and you know what the kids are are respectful you know boy that's that's a real light uh in the midst of a dark world isn't it uh that uh uh, spouses that are loving and gracious toward one another that are willing to help out in the home and and kids that are respectful toward their parents and and parents that are are not uh talking about how they they always want to hang out with the guys or something to get away from the family get away from the wife and the kids and you just that that should be uh the kind of conversations that we naturally have anyway. And when you bring people into your life and you bring people into your circle, they're going to notice something that is significantly different than even, I don't want to be too harsh, but, but the carnal Christian environment that we have. I mean, Christians talk just like everybody else in these kind of situations, right? That they act just like everybody else, many of them. Uh, in the way that they interact in their marriages and, and with parents and kids. So what I'm saying is, this, this takes a lot more effort. Yeah. It takes a lot more effort than just saying, hey, come to church on Sunday. Okay, I did my duty. I did my duty. I invited them. I did my, you know, I wanted, and, and this is a good goal, by the way. Invite 10 people to come to public worship. That's a good goal, right? But if you, if you do that, okay, I've verbally invited 10 people. I've done my duty. 
Well, actually, I think we can do a little bit more than that. Yes. If you really want people to really be invested in the kingdom, allow them to see the kingdom. Yes. Okay? If you want people to be invested in the body, allow them to see the body of Christ. Amen. Now, we hope that, again, that they will attend public worship and the spirit will be thick and they will be blessed in public worship. But they need to get more than just a good feeling in public worship. Yeah. Allow them to see the body in action, right? Allow them to see the kingdom in that way. So what, what uh, Andrew does here is he takes the initiative to not just say, hey, hey, come and see. Hey, hey, come and see the Messiah. Instead, he takes Peter and he brings him to Jesus, right? He brings him to the, to the Messiah, to Jesus, and when Jesus behold, beheld him, he said, Simon, thou art son of Jonas, thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation of stone. And then the day following, Jesus went forth into Galilee and finds Philip. Okay? And, and again, I'm making some assumptions here, so take it for just that. But um, Philip doesn't necessarily seem, if he was that second one, if he was, it doesn't necessarily seem that he's dropping everything to go follow Jesus either. So Jesus finds him the second, uh, the day after that, and he says, follow me directly. And I'll tell you, there's not a single time in the word of God where that's in red letters and Jesus says, follow me. And somebody said, well, you know, now, now there were some people later on that said, well, you know, I, I bought a, I got married and I, I bought a plot of land and I've got all these excuses. And, but I'll tell you, when Jesus was calling his apostles, None of them were like, well, it's kind of busy. It's not really a good time. He said, follow me. At that point, Philip dropped everything. He, you know, and maybe, maybe if he was that second person, maybe, maybe Philip may not have been fully convinced. But now he was. Now he was fully convinced. And what does he immediately go do? He goes and finds who we could probably presume is his best friend, the family. And you, could, you know that Philip and Nathaniel had those kind of conversations too. They, they were excitedly anticipating the coming of the Messiah. And now Philip says, we finally found him. We finally found the Messiah. And Nathaniel's a little skeptical too. Philip findeth Nathaniel and saith unto him, we found him of whom Moses and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And then Nathaniel said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? One of the most, uh, I, I can't re-preach it. Of course, I, there's no way I could preach as powerfully as David Crawford does any day of the week. But one of the most powerful sermons I've ever heard is, we're all from Nazareth. <laughs> we're all from Nazareth. Because Nazareth was a very, well, I don't want to name cities. That'd be mean. Uh, we all have cities in our mind, Right? We all have certain cities in our mind that we perceive to be a little bit of a dangerous city, right? I mean, you're going to take a little bit more precautions if you choose to go to these cities. That was kind of Nazareth back in the day. And, you know, you have Galilee, you have this, this region of Galilee. Nazareth was kind of the bad part of town, right? It was the bad region. And that is where Jesus came from. And it'd be very easy for us to look at that and say, oh, man, he's from Nazareth. But again, Brother David powerfully reminded us that we're all broken, destitute sinners, right? I mean, we're all from, we're all Mephibosheth from down in Lodabar. We're all from Nazareth. 
So it's no surprise that that's where Jesus came from. The very unimpressive, the, the uh, looked down upon city in the, the region there of Galilee and Judea. Can any good thing come of Nazareth? And Philip said, look, just come and see for yourself. <laughs> Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Come and see. Come and see. Then you have this beautiful interaction between Jesus and Nathaniel. And we'll save that for a, for a future message. So come and see. Come and see. We need to do our best to sow seeds. Sow uh, seeds of the gospel. You don't necessarily know. You may invite somebody one time. And, uh, and that's another thing I feel like. Um, it's easy for us to feel like we've, we've done our duty and set the bar maybe a little bit lower than, than we should. You know, we asked somebody one time to come to church. It was like, well, I asked them one time, you know, 10 years ago, and they decided not to come. <laughs> well, you know what? Invite them again. Yeah. Ask them to come and see again. Keep knocking. Be, keep, knocking. Mm-hmm. keep knocking. Ask, seek, knock. Uh, and we need to do that verbally. We need to interact with people, and, and hopefully we conduct ourselves in such a way that they, they identify a hope that's inside of us and, and a hope that we can articulate ourselves, uh, give an answer of the reason of the hope that's in us with meekness and fear, and invite people, come and see, come and see, because the, the kingdom is beautiful. It's uh, Mount Zion. It's the joy of the whole earth. And if people come with open minds, I feel like they're going to be blessed. <laughs> so come and see. Come and see the joy of the whole earth. But also... There's a little bit more investment that's required in come and see than just a simple little verbal invitation. It's bringing them into the body. It's allowing them to see that. And you know what? That takes, that takes investment. You know, uh, the old phrase, it's kind of cliche, but it's also true. How do you spell love? T-I-M-E, right? That takes time. I mean, it takes effort. It takes a lot of effort to bring people in. And also, when you do that, though, you're, you, you show to them that you're not just looking for one more number to add to the role. No, I'm investing in you, right? I'm not just trying to have 10 more people show up this week. I'm investing in you. <laughs> and allow them to see that. Allow them to see the functioning of the body. Allow them to see the functioning of the kingdom. And we certainly pray that God would grow his kingdom uh, according to his will. And one very simple way we can do that is come and see. Following the pattern of Jesus, the pattern of the original disciples, to come and see. We thank you for listening to today's message and invite you to visit Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church for worship services every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. Macedonia is located at 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, five miles north of Ackerman, Mississippi. For further information about Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, you may visit our website at macedonia-pbc.org.